The Glory Center would like to welcome you to this podcast. We hope that this teaching will encourage and minister to you. And now, the message. Romans 5, and continuing in righteousness and condemnation, which I hope has been helpful. Uh, Book of Romans, of course, is incredible, you know, uh, throughout church history, really, it's, it's been called Paul's masterpiece, you know, and it really is. Um, I, I heard a, a very, a very wonderful minister, a guy I really sort of cut my teeth on early on, say uh, that he had come across, heard of, experienced something, whatever, I don't know exactly, but nonetheless that he had uh, was aware of times when the book of romans had even been had has even been used in certain uh like training for you know legal work and that because of how paul lays out such an incredible point by point argument you know it's really a defense of the gospel you know uh and it really is man oh i just oh, you just camp out in romans and live there for an eternity or two, you know. Um, Romans 1 is, is so profound as Paul goes through saying, you know, he starts in, well, 16 and 17, he gets to really getting into it, um, where he says that the gospel, the good news, right, is the power of God unto salvation, which in the Greek is the word sozo, uh, or so t- it depends, but basically the word sozo, which primarily, if you had to give it a one-word definition, primarily means deliverance. But it means deliverance from, it, it's sort of an equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom, which is an all-encompassing peace, financially, health, spiritually, you name it, everything, right? It's an all-encompassing word. Like in James chapter 5, where he says, anyone sick, let the elders of the church uh, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the Lord, the King James says, will save the sick. Same Greek word as uh, salvation, you know, uh, used all throughout the New Testament. Uh, but it, but it can mean, you know, heal, deliver, provide, protect. It, it's really all-encompassing. It's it's incredible. So salvation isn't just walk down the aisle, pray the prayer. Your name's written in heaven. Your sins are, for, you know, your sins are forgiven, and that's it. And that would be enough to worship God for all eternity, twenty, you know, twenty-five hours a day, eight days a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, for that would be enough. Period. But, uh, you know, think like with your own kids. <laughs> you don't have them and then bring them home from the hospital and <clears throat> throw them in a room and lock and close the door and say, "Well, you're mine." That's great. Figure it out. No, there's other benefits, typically, you know, clothing and shelter and provision and all sorts of different stuff. And, and Jesus said before the cross, talking to unregenerate religious people, he said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. He said it a couple of different ways in a couple of different places, but more or less. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more your heavenly father you know, and I think religion presents God as God first, 
but I, he's just as much father. You know, like we, we, we create these dichotomies. Well, he's my father, but he's, there is no but there. He's your father. And he happens to be the true and living, eternal, almighty God. So kind of a good deal, you know. Pretty, if I had to pick a dad, man, that's a good one, you know. Ah, mouth's dry. Forgive me for this. Nothing worse than a dry preacher. Wah, wah, wah. Got that from Lynn Hiles, right? So, all right. Yeah. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on. So we get, you know, Romans 1, 16, 17, the gospel is power of God, all who believe. And then he says, for in it, the gospel. And I still, I just, this verse just excites me so much. In it, that is the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So the gospel reveals our rightness, righteousness with God. Right? That's the gospel. Like Andrew Womack says, you may be a sinner on your way to hell, but that's not the gospel. Because that is, it may be true, but it's not gospel. Because gospel's good news. Gospel's what God has done about our sin problem. Does that make sense? And, you know, Jesus said in John 3, of course, in, we know John 3, 16, but in verse 17, he said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. And that's half, at least, of what the church is known for, condemning the world. When Paul said explicitly in 2 Corinthians 5, our message, our vocation, if you will, as a collective body of Christ, you know, is to announce to the world, you've been reconciled. You don't, you didn't, maybe you didn't know it, but now you do. <laughs> so accept it. God has, he's reconciled to you. Now you be reconciled to him. Second Corinthians 5, 19. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ, announcing this message of uh, reconciliation. And the word reconcile, as we mention very often, means to make friendly, which is sort of the primary thought there, or to harmonize. So God is in friendship with us. And Jesus told us that. Jesus said, a servant doesn't know what his master does, but I don't call you servant. From henceforth, I call you friend. Oh, gosh. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, man. That is just incredible stuff. Jesus, God Almighty, said from henceforth, from here on out, I call you friend. <sighs> Abraham got nothing on us, man. He was a friend of God. Well, newsflash, so are you. And you're sons and daughters of God, which he is too now, but, you know, not during his lifetime. Not in the same way that we are through the new birth. Um, and then he, you know, he goes through Romans 1 and says people had a knowledge of sin and what would happen to them if they rejected God. They had full knowledge that there is a, a that light at the end of a tunnel is a train, you know, and we're heading towards it and it's coming towards us. Paul said they had full knowledge of that, but that didn't produce the desire or the ability to change. He gets to Romans 2. He says, do you not know, O vain man? And he was talking to religious the Jewish religious audience, he said that it is the goodness, some translations say the kindness, both it's the same and it's really the word kindness in the Greek, the kindness of God, kindness. See, God is kind, right? First Corinthians 13 says love is kind. And first John 4 says God is love. God is love, love is kind, so God is kind. And we don't, we think that's beneath God or 
something like that, you know. Um, but no, kindness itself comes from God, and God is kindness itself. So he says, that's what leads men to repentance or metanoia, changing their heart and mind, you know. Um, so get, then he goes into Romans 3 and says, God concluded all men, Jew or Gentile, under sin so he could have mercy on all. Romans 4, he introduces Abraham and uh, justification by faith apart from the law, 3 and 4. Then Romans 5 here, just ridiculous good stuff we got here. Verse 1. Paul says, and in, well, we'll get to that. Romans 5.1, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice that having been, well, you know, that's past tense, right? So this has happened. Having been made righteous, which is what justified is. So all of this is beautiful. Having been, so this has happened. This isn't going to happen. We're not headed towards right standing with God. That's where we start, right? Having been justified, declared righteous, in other words, by faith. And of course, that's as opposed to by the works of the law. Having been justified by faith. Notice it's not faith plus works. It's just by faith. That, you know, he says in Romans 1 there, as we mentioned, uh, from faith to faith. It's not from faith to works, as I've heard so often. So you don't start by grace through faith, but graduate to works. There are good works, but they flow out of grace through faith. And you never, you're never righteous or made more righteous or more holy or anything like that by your works. And that's very important. Having been made righteous by faith, we, look at that, we have peace with God. So we have this. We actively, presently possess this, which is incredible. I used to bust my ever-living, loving hump trying to get right, more right, you know, with God. You, have, you sort of have this, it's your, really it's, it's your consciousness, but this mentality, this sense of even after you're saved, you know, this mentality of, I don't know, it's like the more you do, you know, the more, you know, they had a sign at um, Auschwitz or Auschwitz, everyone say it, but, uh, which is, you know, sick, but um, at the concentration camp, it was a sign on as you came into the camp. And I don't know how you would say it in German, but the, what it said was work makes free. More or less, right? And so there may be other ways to sort of, but basically work makes free. And that's sort of the message of man of religion, including the Christian religion. Not authentic Christianity. That's a different message. That's a from faith to faith message. Uh, but work doesn't make free, right? You know, you live long enough, you'll figure that out. I used to, you know, I, I do, I really, I felt like I was, I used to, you know, I had a relationship with the Lord. I experienced incredible things, miraculous things, and yet I didn't feel or sense this sense of peace with God. And it's because I wasn't established in truth. And if you wait, you know, day in and day out to feel right with God, you might be waiting a long time. 
you know. I heard Brother Hagen say that if he went by how he felt, he did not feel saved most of the time. He said, but I don't go by how I feel. He said, I have never doubted my salvation for so much as a second since I got saved. Because you go by faith, as Paul said, 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by, not by sight, not by the natural senses. So we don't want to look for feelings to validate, you know, whether or not we're right with God or whether we have peace with God. And this is, you know, having, you know, Paul in Philippians 4 taught us that we can experience the peace of God. And Paul said it's a peace that surpasses knowledge or comprehension, uh, the peace of God which passes knowledge. He said it'll keep your heart or guard your heart and your mind. In other words, your thoughts and, and just your core inner man, right? It'll keep that. It'll guard that for you. Um, it even can mean, and I believe there might be a translation out there somewhere that doesn't translates it this way. Uh, it can mean the word umpire. So this peace of God is in your heart, calling the shots. Here comes condemnation. You're out. <laughs> you know, he's umpiring this bad boy for you. Like, this is good. Oh, by the way. I've been so sports deprived. I even recorded uh, the same day the basketball's back now, by the way. Uh, the scrimmages have started, um, and regular season starts in a few days. But the same day the scrimmages started was the same day baseball kicked off. And I don't watch baseball because I don't hate myself. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, Orla. No, that's a joke. Sorry, Kathy. But I'm so sports deprived. Uh, I heard a guy on one of my sports shows say this is the longest stretch in 100 years that America has gone without professional sports. Yeah, over 130 years, 100 something days. Anyways, I recorded the opening night, Yankees and Astros, I think. Yankees and somebody. Astros? No. Nationals, thank you. I still don't know who won because I plan to watch it. But uh, I recorded it on, you know, DVR. Um, basketball's back. But nonetheless, uh, I was thinking of that because any hockey fans? A few of you? A half? Two and a half? Yeah, yeah, me, yeah. Straight up, me too. College or pro? Both, okay. We're flexible. Yeah, yeah, flexible. Yeah, we like yeah. I don't watch hockey because I don't hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> yeah. But Seattle, the, Seattle is starting a new franchise. I don't know if anyone saw this. Their name is going to be the Seattle Kraken. Does anybody know what a Kraken is? Yeah. Anybody release the Kraken? You've never heard release? Release the Kraken! Yeah, it's... Yeah, okay, a couple of you. Wow, that falls on deaf ears, but that is unequivocally... What is it? It's a giant sea, sea monster, basically. Release the Kraken, you know. And it, yeah. Wasn't there a Kraken on the old... Do you, some of you aren't old enough to remember this, but years ago, there was a movie called Clash of the Titan. Clash of the Titans. I think there was a Kraken in it, the sea monster. I think that was a Kraken. Maybe not. Don't quote me on that, but it seems like it was. Release the Kraken. Um, best sports name ever, hands down. Uh, Is this like a rabbit trail? <laughs> umpire got us there. Peace of God. 
Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, you know, any pastor worth his salt will at least mention the Seattle Kraken at some point. <laughs> Kraken. We've had bulls and, you know, uh, sharks and diamondbacks. I mean, we've had you know, bucks. We've got all sorts of, we've got, ast we've got, you know, astros way out there somewhere, but Kraken, sea monsters. I'm, I'm looking forward to what they come up with next. Might be like the, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the, the uh, centaurs or something like that. You might know what a centaur is? Yeah. The, well, the, the uh, half horse, half man body, all that, yeah. One eye, two eye, three, I don't care. Just get a centaur in there. Get a cyclops. We'll figure it out. All right. So <laughs> this peace of God, though, uh, I would say that experiencing peace... I say experiencing because that can include feeling it, but it doesn't necessitate feelings because you can know the truth that it's like these um, uh, pilot training things, uh, simulators, you know, and even when you're actually flying. Uh, so I'm told that, it, that if you go by, you have to watch the gauges because if you go by how you feel, you get in cloud cover and stuff, you'll feel like you're sideways or upside down or you'll want to, but you're not. That's why you got to, I, I hope this is true. You got to stick to the gauges, <laughs> you know, uh, choosing truth over actual literal feeling. And it goes the same way with God, right? Um, you could look at a pool and it could look like it's 10 feet deep. But it says three, three foot, three feet, right? So what, you go by the truth over your perception, over your feelings, your natural senses. And so peace with God begins with knowing that he's at peace with me, which is what the angels came announcing in Luke chapter 2, right? That was their message whenever they appeared to the magi, the wise men. Um, they appeared to them declaring glory to God on high and peace and uh, what those angels were communicating there was peace towards men from God, right? And so in other words, what mankind did not know and what Jesus' arrival was declaring from the rooftops was God is at peace with you. So much so, he's going to come and personally tell you in the flesh himself. And Jesus came announcing very first thing he started preaching According to Matthew's gospel, it says that he began preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. What's the good news of the kingdom? The king is at peace with you. And that's our message. And that's a good message. Hallelujah. So we want to believe that God is at peace with us. And that's the peace of God that we experience. We we, we endeavor by faith to live in that reality. All right. Um, let me read on here a little bit. He says, through whom also, verse 2, we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult, which means glory. We glory in hope of the glory of God. But he says here, through whom? Notice that. The whom there is Jesus, right? Kind of like in Philippians 3 where Paul said that he has abandoned all, you know, behind him 
for the excellency of the, uh, the knowledge of Christ and all the beautiful things he says there. He says, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. So it wasn't for a movement. It wasn't for a religion. It wasn't for theological whatever. It was for a person, a person named Jesus, right? So he says, through whom? So in other words, this peace that we have is literally a person because he is the prince of peace. And so peace is a person named Jesus, right? Shalom is a person. Salvation, sozo, is a person. And that's what his name is, Yeshua, salvation. Um, we have obtained, not earned, but obtained. We've received this. He gave it to us. Our introduction by faith into this grace. I like how Paul puts that. This grace. There's a very specific grace here. I used to hear grace is good, you start by grace, but then you move on to works and real maturity. Well, thank God Paul didn't teach that. You don't abandon grace, grace through faith for works, right? This grace, he says, and this is also the grace that three, three different times in Romans, Paul addresses uh, the false accusation that was being waged against him that he said, Romans 3, 8 is one place, he was accused of saying, Romans 3, 8, Paul says, we are slanderously reported as saying, let us sin that grace may abound, or let us do evil that good may come. So Paul was literally accused of preaching what today is called greasy grace, or hyper grace. All right? Later on in this chapter, we'll see that Paul advocated literally hyper grace. He uses that phrase in the Greek. All right? Now, so I'm all for some hyper grace because I know me apart from Jesus is extremely hyper sinful and a person who can recognize how utterly lost, utterly dark, utterly broken, utterly sinful, utterly hopeless they are apart from Jesus is the same person who can turn around and say, I need all the grace you can give me, yeah. right? You, you ha to, to desire and recognize an abundance of grace is a result of recognizing one's own abundant sinfulness, you know? Um, lots to say about some of those issues, but uh, I want to move on a little bit longer, uh, further here anyways before I wrap up, which I will do shortly. Paul says a few things here. Uh, notice this, starting in verse 3. He says, and not only this, but we also glory. Now, this is incredible. He says, we also glory in tribulations, troubles, right? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character. You ever heard anything about, you know, when the pressure's on, it's kind of like the tube of toothpaste, what's in comes out, you find out what's really there when the pressure's on and all that. He's not saying God is doing the squishing. <laughs> But life's, life and the devil will do enough squishing without God needing to help out. Um, James chapter 1. James is very clear about that. He says in verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Then verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, who never changes. All right? And then he says, uh, God cannot be tempted, tested, or tried, nor does he tempt, test, or try you. Very clear in Scripture. But we live in a world where there's plenty of trouble around, right? Now, proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God, now notice that, the love of God. So that's his love for us. It doesn't say love for God. The greatest commandment under the law 
under the Mosaic system is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, right? And Jesus said the second's like unto it, love your neighbor. But the new covenant commandment is love not with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but as I have loved you. So we love with his love through us. So the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us for so he's elaborating on this love of God that's poured out in our hearts. What kind of love is it? How, how would you describe it, Paul? For a while we were still sinners, helpless, or without strength, different translations. For a while we were, were still sinners or helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I, am, I finally qualify for something. The ungodly. Hallelujah. At the right time, Christ died for old J.O. Hallelujah. And I feel real good about it. He died for the ungodly. Whew. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but the sinful, the, the, the unrighteous, the ungodly, you know. Uh, next verse. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for the good man, some, someone would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that. Now think about this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So thank God for that. But look, look at the next verse. Much more than. So in verse 8, he says, while you were yet a sinner at your worst. But now, in other words, much more than, what's he say? Having now been justified. So this is after your, your salvation, right? You understand? While we're yet sinners, he died for us. But now we are children of God, much more than. So there's this, you know, there is this mentality and it's not always communicated in these words, but it, it's communicated somehow, the, the idea behind it. Sometimes that, Yes, you got saved by grace through faith, but now that you are saved, you know, God expects more of you. And, and I'm not saying there's no truth to that. God wants us to grow. You want your own kids to grow, right? God wants us to mature and develop, and we want that. I mean, obviously. But it's not like that determines your sonship, your being a child of Abba, right? Like, we, we got to know that. So it's not this, it's not this idea that, well, now, yeah, but you've been saved for five years, so you really need to get your act together. And, you know, God's, uh, well, yeah, so, so, pretty much. I used to call it the, the uh, you guys ever see those, uh, they used to run these commercials for, I don't know if it was, back at that time, it probably would have been cassette tapes, maybe getting into CDs. But they used to play these, like late at night, midnight, one o'clock, they'd run these best of the eighties for like an hour. And so it's one person sitting there talking and then they'll play some song, you know, and Bon Jovi. And then over here they got white, uh, white snake. Is that, yeah. And a little journey, you know, a little something here. And it's the best of the eighties. And they, I mean, you just ready to shell out that money, you know, and get that bad boy. Um, why am I talking about this? Help me, Kathy. Getting dry. Here comes that dry preacher here. It's going to be an analogy. I don't know. 
It'll come to me. All right, let's just start again here. Now. We'll figure it out. We'll find it. Much more than. Much more than. I don't know how in God's green earth I could have got to that commercial to have anything to do with this. Yeah, I don't know. Next week I'll I'll slip into it as if I had just you know was talking you know like that. Well, much more then. How about that? Yeah. Having been, having now been justified, made right, made righteous. Notice this. By his blood. So not by our works. <clears throat> Pharisee classics. That was it. Best of the Pharisees. So uh, I used to have some of these, you know, there's lots of uh, best of the Pharisees, you know. One of them I used to hear a lot was, there's sin in the camp. <laughs> yeah. Another one was, uh, God's not playing around anymore. When was he? He's not messing around anymore. It is. But, you know, in the book of Acts, there's a scripture that says that the time had come where God would no longer wink at sin, kind of turn a blind eye to it. And so they, you would use a verse like that to terrorize people. But li so, ha so God's not kind of turning a blind eye to sin anymore. He's not sweeping it under the rug. So what's he doing? He dealt with it at the cross. Amen. That's how he does it. He looks at it and deals with it and takes it away 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Behold the Lamb of God. We've not beheld the Lamb enough. We're too busy looking at the sin when he said, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin. Right? People know they're jacked up, man. I know how messed up and broken and hopeless and helpless I am. I know Jesus is my only hope. Hopefully you know it too. And if you've been to church, you do know it because you've been told time and time again how sorry you are. <laughs> but I heard Brother Hagin said that the, the so-called Word of Faith movement got off course because preachers started going around saying, you need faith. You just need faith. If you just had more faith, he said they should have been going around saying, you have the faith of God. Now, here's how you use it. You know, same thing with righteousness. I heard Brother Hagin also say that there's not a single verse in the New Testament that ever talks about, he says you talk about growing in, in faith. You have that faith. Now, grow in how to use it. Grow in love, grow in knowledge, grow in uh, different things. Scripture speaks of growth. Um, but there were a couple of things, and one thing he mentioned was righteousness. You don't grow in that. You, you go into revelation of it, but you don't, you're not made more right because you're already right. My kids, London and Haven, cannot be more of my kids than they already are. It's literally not possible. They are mine, you know. Um, same thing. We are the righteousness of God. He says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved from wrath. The phrase, the words of God are not there in the Greek. They're just inserted. We shall be saved from wrath. And I think he's clearly hearkening back to Romans chapter 2 when Paul called 
uh, spoke of, quote, the day of wrath. And I believe that's all 70 AD stuff and all that. But uh, nonetheless, we will be saved from wrath. Because when Paul wrote this, he's talking to real people, right, 2,000 years ago. And he tells them, we, Paul and you, Roman audience, congregation, will be saved from this coming wrath. So I, I, I put it in that context. But either way, you say, well, what if it means hell? Hey, we're safe from hell, baby. So either way, it works out. Uh, in my first closing here, verse 10, for if while we were enemies, see, God was never our enemy, but mankind darkened and blinded through the fall, positioned ourselves as his enemy, so to speak. You understand? But he was never our enemy. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. This is beautiful to me. Notice this. Not when we came to faith, when we were still enemies, while we were still the ungodly. That he mentioned when he said, while we were yet without strength or yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Same, same thought here. While we were enemies, we were reconciled. Now, Paul's, this is beautiful because Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, um, I'm just going to pull that up here, and I'm going to wrap up on these scriptures here. Of course, 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 5 both are just so incredible. <clears throat> well, going to work for me? guess not. I'll just read it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. He says, namely, that God was in Christ. God was in Christ. So the cross, you have the, the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit there. Jesus said on the cross, one of the things he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22, if you, if you know that. In Psalm 22, verse 24, he answers his question and says, uh, well, let me get it right here. Check this out, Psalm 22. He says, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried for help, when he cried to him for help, he heard. So Jesus was crying on behalf of humanity. This was Adam's cry. This was mankind's cry. Where are you at? You've abandoned us. But the psalm tells us he's not abandoned us. He's with us in our deepest, darkest moments, even into death itself. So Abba didn't actually abandon Jesus. Nonetheless, which is good because he won't abandon you either. In other words, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world. Notice that. The world. Sorry, I don't have it pulled up here. The world. Greek word cosmos. 2 Corinthians 5.19. God was in Christ reconciling, making friendly and harmonizing the world, not the church, all, all of creation unto himself. How? Not counting their trespasses against them. So we don't have the right to count people's trespasses against them. We can deal with things. We can address things. We can help people, but never from the vantage point of tearing down and condemning. He's committed to us. And he has committed to us this same word of reconciliation. Oh, beautiful. He also says it in Colossians 1 as well, that God has reconciled all 
unto himself. Let me see here. Colossians 1. Now <clears throat> uh, verse 20. And we'll finish here. Colossians 1. I'm going to start in verse 12 and skip around a little and then we're finished. He says, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. That's worship. That's you praising and worshiping Abba who has qualified us, woo, baby, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Aren't you glad? And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we possess forgiveness, right? It's ours. Not working on it, not going to attain to it, not going to get there one day, not when we walk to heaven. Right here, right now, we have blood-bought guarantee your sin died with Jesus, and it is dead and gone, and I feel real good about it. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Jump down to verse uh, 19. says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile all things. So we've already seen this pattern. He reconciled the world. He reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say things on earth or things in heaven. Thank you, Lord. I'm finished if you are. But, you know, that's... Uh, I don't know, maybe we could, like, there'll be some street preachers stand on the corner and shout at people and all that kind of stuff. You know, that, that whole deal. But we could shout at them that they're reconciled and don't know it, you know. Yeah. We can even be angry if you want, you know. We, you're reconciled! <laughs> God loves you! You know, I mean, you're forgiven, you old sorry thing. We could do that angry street preaching. We just got to get the message right. <laughs> God loves you! Hallelujah! The Glory Center would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that it is encouraged and ministered to you. We also would like to invite you to check out our website at glorycenter.org.